Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. This is Beyond Confidence with your host, Divya Parikh. Do you want to live a more fulfilling life? Do you want to live your legacy and achieve your personal, professional, and financial goals? Well, coming up on Divya Parikh's Beyond Confidence, you will hear real stories of leaders, entrepreneurs, and achievers who have stepped into discomfort, shattered their status quo, and are living the life they want. You will learn how relationships are the key to achieving your aspirations and financial goals. Moving your career or business forward does not have to happen at the expense of your personal or family life, or vice versa. Learn more at www.diviapark.com and you can connect with Divya at contact at diviapark.com. This is Beyond Confidence, and now here's your host, Divya Park. Good evening, listeners. I am thrilled to be here with you Monday evening. I know you probably might say that, you know, oh, I'm tired of listening that Divya says this is one of our best times, and yet I want to share it with you, especially for those listeners who will be joining us live today. It is one of my favorite times, and I want to share something very special with you. Today, we are going to be going in the world of books, and as you all know, I love books since I was a child, and also want to share that, you know, profits from my books are going to entrepreneurs impacted by COVID-19. So if you have not got your copy, get your copy of Expert to Influencer or any of the books by me. And we will be sharing the profits with entrepreneurs impacted by COVID-19. And I wanna share that I have seen a ton of emails by you guys, especially you know whenever we have talked about writing books and the questions pouring in about traditional publishing, about publishing on Amazon, self-publishing, New York Times bestseller. And there is this complete romance around this that, oh my goodness, this is so awesome. I want to be next Stephen King or I want to be the next book that goes on the Hollywood screen. So folks, yes, it's awesome to have big dreams. And yet it's important to know what goes behind the scenes. What are the realities? So today, I am bringing you a very special guest, Whitney Gossett. Welcome, Whitney. 
Hello, thank you so much for having me tonight, Divya. Oh, it's such a pleasure to have you. And folks, I wanna share, Whitney is extremely special because her numbers speak for herself. Hmm. So, which is just amazing. Whitney has graduated from Vanderbilt University and she was an engaged scholar. Her career began as a song plugger. We'll be talking to her about that. <laughs> Assisting Nashville songwriters before handling industry relations and event coordination for the Country Music Association. And then she joined Fed Agency, which is a literary and agent entertainment agency. After six years in Nashville working in country music, and she has passionately translated her knowledge of entertainment into the world of publishing. She has represented over 200 authors and over 25 New York Times bestsellers, such as Governor Greg Abbott, Trey Gowdy, Emily Maynard, and many more. So she has a managing and marketing mindset, and she believes in taking a holistic approach to publishing and strategically using a book to strengthen the larger message of a brand. And along with her literary representation, she has served her clients by executive produced non-scripted television projects for networks such as Bravo, AGTV, Facebook, and is a partner with T3 Agency, a white label travel company, and consults with top churches around the country. Very impressive. So Whitney, I would love to ask you that when you were a kid, is there any remarkable moments that precedes your career or that gives an inkling that you are interested either in publishing or writing or marketing? Absolutely. You know, I was raised in a household um, where books were a really big deal. My mom was actually an author. And so talking about royalties and talking about manuscripts and talking about deadlines was a part of our dinner table conversation. Um, she wrote parenting books for HarperCollins. She wrote some children's books. And so um, that was just part of our narrative. That was part of what we talked about as a family, just like kids whose parents are doctors or lawyers. You know, we talked about writing books. And so I saw from a very early age behind the scenes what it looked like to work professionally in publishing. And then I just was a lover of reading. We didn't have TV growing up, so we just read books. And some of my greatest and earliest memories were um, of books that were like friends to me. And still to this day, my husband makes fun of the amount of books that I lug from house to house as we move. But they are like friends. And I think for people who are readers, and, and many of you who are watching, I'm sure can relate to this. Um, who love books. Um, it's just an honor that I get to spend my career now helping um, create books that I love and being a part of the publishing process that um, I adore so much. And so we all know that that words have the power to change lives. And so it's not a role that I take lightly when I get to serve people in their journey um, to bring those words to larger audiences. <laughs> You said it, and books, oh my goodness, when you mentioned um, having books as your friends, I can totally relate to that because I still remember getting lost in a Enid Blyton's Mysteries or Hardy Boys or, you know, yes. fun stuff, and especially Dr. Seuss's books. 
even to this day, you know, I'll just pick up one of the Dr. Seuss's book and read his couple of quotes. And, you know, it's, as you mentioned, words have power. So when you watched your mom write a book and did you also write any short stories or anything were you inclined to write in your childhood? That's a great question, Divya. So I, I, I wanted to be a writer, but it was not a gifting that I have. So I joke that my job, my career has always been to be the person behind the scenes advocating for the creative. So early in my career, that was with country singers. It was with songwriters. Um, my, okay. As my career progressed, it was with authors. Um, I wish I had the gift of writing and I joke, uh, I can barely write an email. So um, it, as somebody who's a fan first, I love to get to um, do the things that are not in a creative toolbox. So I get to be the advocate. I get to be the marketer. I get to be um, the one who says, let me handle those admin things so that you can have time to be quiet and focus on your craft. And um, in that way, I get to play a part of doing something that I love. Um, but that is not a gifting I have. I have so many authors that say, when are you going to write your book? I said, never. I will, you'll never see my name on the front of the book. You'll only see my name in the acknowledgments of people that I've helped get, get their books out. Well, you have given over 200 authors the media and you have published them so that their voice can be heard. To me, that is as honorable as writing a book because, you know, there's so many writers out there who have written books and yet their voice is quiet and it does not reach mm -hmm. the readers. Of course, folks have already started asking questions. So we will make a point to cover all your questions. Dear audience, so one of the questions that has come in is, is there money in writing? Mm -hmm. Great question. That again goes back to the earlier conversation we were having. Absolutely. So um, I, I think the thing to remember with writing, and I, and I assume we talk about writing, we're talking about writing with your own name, publishing your own books. Um, it is a challenge out there to make a living as an author. Of all the authors that I have represented in 10 years, um, I believe there's only, there's less than 10 that, full, that their full-time job is writing. 99% um, of the authors that I work with have a different full-time career that allows them the opportunity to write. It gives them the platform for their words to have a reach. So whether they are a um, reality TV star or an athlete, or they are a CNN anchor, or they are a governor, um, they're doing something that gives eyes to their work that allows them to then write. And so writing really becomes, or publishing for them becomes a vertical underneath the umbrella of things that they do that helps them do more of what they love, gives more attention to what they're doing, but it's not their primary source of income. Um, I think there's this dream of being in a magical cabin on the ocean, watching the sunrise and sipping coffee and writing a manuscript. And uh, I wish that that was how it really looked. But for most professional authors, people who have published professionally, um, it's a lot of scribbling on notes um, on their laptop on a, a, a during an, a, a flight somewhere to do something else. And so um, is there money in writing? Well, to publish your own books, um, there can be, but it's the very, 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 very tiny, tiny top percent that have the opportunity opportunity to do that um, as the only thing that they do. Well, you said it. And I really like what you mentioned is about, you know, having the book as the base. 
And I can share that from my experience and the clients that I have worked with, that book is the portal to a business's success because it yeah. becomes such a solid foundation to establishing credibility and that authority in your industry. Mm-hmm. That was beautifully said. So, and um, you know, the audience is asking about the question. So if you can kind of go into self-publishing, then there is some vanity publishing and traditional publishing and just kind of share the merits and demerits of each. And yeah, so often a couple of stories too to illustrate yeah, the points. I often ask authors, what does success look like for you? Um, if this book is successful, what does that mean? So there's a couple of roads to publication. Obviously, what most people desire is to be represented by a literary agent like myself, um, where I take a book proposal, I shop that to a publisher, I negotiate in advance from that publisher, um, I negotiate a contract, and then I'm your advocate throughout that publishing process. Um, the reality is that the big publishers, the Simon & Schuster's, the HarperCollins, the Hachette's, um, they are really only interested in acquiring authors that already have a significant platform. So that means you already have a message and you have an audience that wants to hear that message. Um, it might be that you have a huge email list, big social media following, a large speaking calendar, um, but you really have to have three, two, at least two of three things to get published, ideally all three. Um, the first is you've got to have a great idea. I can't tell you the many times that authors have come to me and they said, well, what does a publisher want? Well, a, a publisher isn't going to take on your book project. It's not like they're looking for a book on flower arranging in Kansas by a blonde. Like they don't have something so specific they're looking for. Um, you need to have an idea that really is important and resonates with you. It's something that you've proven. It's something that you're passionate about. Um, the second thing you need is to be a great writer. Um, you need to be able to execute that craft well. It's just like somebody isn't going to say, hey, I want to go play um, with an orchestra, concert, piano, if they've never played a day in their life. It's something that you've got to practice and practice and practice. It's a craft that you have to have honed and be really great at um, and really be able to execute great writing. And the third thing that you need to have is a platform. You have to have an audience that wants this work. Um, those three things are pretty much essential now to getting traditionally published. Uh, you may not need to have all three, but you have to have two, um, two of the three. So that's really what I tell authors when they're, they're considering or desiring a traditional publishing deal is, are those three things that you bring to the table? Um, the biggest of that, of course, being platform. Uh, my little motto these days has been the death of retail equals the death of discoverability. How are people finding your book? It used to be that a publisher curated what was in a bookstore. And as an, a consumer, we'd go into the bookstore and we'd look on the shelves. And if we wanted a parenting book, we'd go to the parenting section and we would look at the parenting section and we would, we would see what books are there. And then we'd pick one of those books. Um, nowadays, very few people are going into bookstores. A lot of bookstores have closed. And of course, in this COVID era, that's only more so the case. And so how is your book being found if it's not on a bookstore? Well, it's being able to get direct to your audience. Um, it's having it on places like Amazon and then being able to drive traffic there. And so even the need of a publisher to make your book successful isn't as much the case. There's a lot of publishers that are really not able to move books. And I can't tell you how many authors are, have big names and big platforms and they sign a publishing deal and their book comes out. And a month after their book comes out, they're calling me going, Whitney, my publisher didn't do anything. I did all the work myself. And it's because they had that audience they knew how to mobilize. So that is what traditional publishing looks like. Of course, there are so many ways to publish now. And I think that's what uh, makes this time that we're living in so exciting. 
whether it's going through KDP and Amazon, whether it's working with a hybrid publisher or a self-publisher. I just always tell people, be careful of giving your rights away um, for somebody that's not going to get eyeballs. So make sure that you're being careful. You're finding a partner that um, aligns with what success looks like to you. I think there's so many ways we can use books in, in a powerful way. Um, I have authors that come to me and they say success looks like um, getting CEOs to read my book so that they're more likely to hire me as a consultant. Or I'm a custom home builder. And if I can tell my story and that helps people trust me when it comes to building their home, there's less friction in the building process. Um, there's all sorts of things. I, I work with uh, an author who says who owns franchises. And they said, you know what? If, if I can get my book out to all my franchise owners, that's 80 phone calls a week I don't have to make because they can see what I'm thinking by looking at my book. And so um, there are a lot of ways to measure what success looks like. Um, there's 7,000 books that are published a day. When you think about that volume, it's very, very crowded out there. So what are you going to do to make your book stand out? Yeah, it's uh, great information. So let's uh, still continue on the road down the traditional publishing. So let's say somebody has a great platform, somebody has an idea where they've done the market research and they know that market wants it. And now they also know how to write it well or you know they have hired a ghostwriter or have a great developmental editor and everything comes along having a great cover, everything's there. So now what would be the next step? So for example, you know, you mentioned that you're a literary agent and if somebody were to come to you, if somebody were to send you their manuscript, how would you go through in accepting sure. that person or not? So I would say you know, there are many ways to find literary agents and obviously looking online, there's all sorts of curated databases. Um, I would say the first thing is look for agents that are passionate about what you're writing about. Um, I only represent nonfiction. I can't tell you how many times I get curie letters for fiction books. And I say, have you even read my website? Have you even seen what I represent? Because clearly you wouldn't be a fit for my catalog. Um, you want to find an agent that has relationships with editors who would actually be buying your book. I couldn't sell a sci-fi novel very well because I, those aren't editors that I'm friends with and talking to every day. I don't know what they're looking for. Um, so the first thing is look for an agent that uh, has the genre in which you are writing as something that they are an expert in. Um, the second thing I always say is try to find a referral. Um, reach out to authors that you really love. Reach out to people you know who have been published and ask them who their agent is. Um, I rarely take submissions that don't come through some sort of referral. Um, and so I would really suggest that you reach out to somebody that you know. Uh, I think most people can find at least even through the social media web, somebody whose book might be similar to theirs. Um, look at who their agent is. Find your favorite book and flip to the acknowledgements and, and look in the acknowledgements and see who they think is their agent. That's always a great place to start. I think almost every agent is looking for that diamond in the rough. So even if they say they don't take unsolicited uh, manuscripts or they don't take um, uh, submissions without referral, um, I can't tell you how many times I've looked at somebody who's written a really, really great cover letter or they've been really creative in how they've reached out to me. Um, that goes a long way. I think we want to represent people who have hustle. And I always respect somebody who goes above and beyond to get their book um, in front of me because I know they really believe in it. It means they're going to work hard to get that book out to as many people as possible. Th those are some really great points, Whitney, because, you know, you're talking about the grind. A lot of people have this dream that, oh, you know, I write a book, I find a literary agent, proposal is done, and then 
bam, bam, done. You know, overnight I'm going to be rich. So, and that's not the case, as you mentioned. Of course, we have quite a few other uh, <laughs> questions come in. So this goes back to the time when you mentioned about, and a lot of authors are doing self-publishing instead of traditional publishers. So I want to mm -hmm. combine the two questions. So one thing you mentioned that currently traditional publishers are not able to move the books. So that's one. So considering and keeping that point in mind, how would we respond to this question? Would a writer self-publish first, then shop to a traditional publisher? Yeah, so I think I'm a big believer if you don't have a big enough platform or are in a place in your career where a traditional publisher would want to invest in you, then self-publishing is a wonderful way to show a publisher that you can move units. So I work with a lot of authors who self-publish their first book and they work really hard to move that book. And I always say, I love taking a book that was self-published to a traditional publisher because if we can show, hey, this author is able to move 50,000 units, you better believe that on their next book deal, I'm going to get them a great advance. Um, and that author probably already is going to now have email addresses of people they've sold to. They know exactly what their consumers want. They're going to be a better writer because they've gone through that process. So it's it used to be that people would say, oh, if I self-publish, I'm never going to be able to get a traditional literary deal. That's just not the case any anymore. Most authors that I work with have played around in some form or another in publishing before I even shop them. It might have been years ago that they self-published something or they put out a short ebook or they made something just specific for a conference. Um, but it's not as though you can only do one or the other. And the other way around, I have a lot of authors that work with traditional publishers and we put out a really big book every four or five years with a traditional publisher. And in between those big books, they're self-publishing smaller niche products that could be derivatives, they could be specific to sort of one area of their audience. Um, and we're selling those direct to their, to their consumers. And so I think this idea of having a publishing strategy that is multifaceted is the future of publishing. It's not one or the other, it's both and. It's how can a publisher come beside you on the right message to bring it out to a larger audience, to give it um, a little bit more legs, to um, bring some dollars in if you have a big enough platform that they're willing to pay for that. Um, but then also, what does it look like to be intentional with publishing things direct to consumer so that you can speak things that might be more specific a publisher wouldn't pay you for but serve your audience well or that are timely? I'm already selling into 2022 with traditional publishers. There's a lot of books that need to come out before then. Perhaps it's a political message. Perhaps it's a health message. I can't tell you how many books I'm getting right now on coronavirus that by 2022 are going to be irrelevant. So there's right. how exciting that we live in a time that we can get things out quickly. Um, and I think we should use that tool appropriately and strategically. Awesome, great pointers. And uh, thank you for sharing all the details. And I really like what you mentioned about that you, know, you can take the route of self-publishing and then go to traditional publishing. Because even if we look at the story of Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen, two years down the road and hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, they were at a, if I recall correctly, their story, you know, they were at a fair and what they had done was they had pre-orders for $20,000 and that's when a traditional publisher took them on. So that's really a great point. What you mentioned about is show the publisher what you yeah. can achieve. Remember a publisher's a business. I think a lot of times authors forget and they, um, they romanticize a publisher in being about the idea and they're going to read my words and fall in love with my story and want to publish me. The reality is they've got to write a PL for that book. They've got to show projections of what it's going to sell. They're looking at a book proposal as a business plan. Will this make us a return on our investment? And so give them numbers. 
you take your creative brain and pull it away and bring out your business brain and think, how can I convince a publisher I'm going to make them money? Because at the end of the day, it's a business. They need to show that your book's going to make them a great return. Absolutely. Great point. Because it's important for authors to be thinking of, of themselves as entrepreneurs. So think about it, authors out there, be an entrepreneur. So that goes back to that question about having that message and more so than the message, having that platform. So one of our question is, how can people build their platforms? Yeah, so I wish there was one easy formula I could give you that would flip the switch. And the answer is there isn't. Um, I think it's a slow and steady thing. There's a million podcasts. There's a million e-courses out there that can give you more tangible tools. I'm a big fan of Jenna Kutcher's material. I think she does a great job mm -hmm. at breaking some of these things down. Um, obviously, there's a million people in this space that, that are really uh, phenomenal at giving you some pointers. Um, but it's the, the bottom line is that you need to be collecting email addresses you need to be um, putting out content for people for free that gets them excited and interested about your voice. And you've got to be doing it consistently. So whether that is, um, obviously, we're in a strange time now, but if it's speaking at small gatherings, if it is um, putting out Facebook Lives every day, if it's putting out written content on a blog, um, it's coming up really with a... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Digital strategy that's bringing people um, to you for whatever you're known for. And, and it's, what's that message? You know, if you are writing about health and you are a health expert, then how are you putting health content out there to people that care about health? How are you really profiling? Who is the consumer? Who is the reader that's going to read my book and where are they consuming content? What do they care about? Who else are they listening to? Um, look at other voices that you would consider successful in that space and see how they're connecting with their audience. There's so much that you can do now in building relationships and, um, cross-pollinating between different people um, that obviously there, there's a million resources out there how to do it and I wish there was an easy answer but at the end of the day it's getting people interacting with your content so whether that's on social media whether it's on a podcast whether that's on a blog whether that is um, through live events uh, it can be small and steady and most authors start with a couple people in their close circle um, it's asking friends and family to pass something along or sign up for a newsletter um, and slowly uh, building that based on continually putting out content that has value. Oh, great tips, uh, folks. You know, we are having a value-packed show today. And see how Whitney is, you know, sharing the values. And that this goes back again to, I'm sure somebody else has said, like, you know, give, 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 and then get. Mm. So similarly, it's really critical about that you are putting out relevant and timely content, as Whitney mentioned, that it's 
like let's say if you in 2022 when vaccine is there and we are back to the new normal and will never be the old normal there will be the new normal but it will be sustainable and something steady mm -hmm. then if you're writing about coronavirus it's not going to make sense so those are few things that it's really critical to keep in mind a couple of uh, questions the other questions that have come in is what's digital strategy and how many platforms do people need <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I always say do one thing really well. Um, focus on what makes the most sense and makes the most sense to your audience. So a digital strategy is really coming up with how are you using the tools we have available online now to connect with your audience. So whether that is using social media, whether that's using uh, YouTube, podcasting, like I said before, blogging, how are you putting out content in a strategic way to reach your people? Um, you don't have to do everything. In fact, don't do everything and then do it poorly. Pick what resonates with you. Pick what's fun for you. Pick what makes makes the most sense. Some people are really wonderful on video. Some people hate doing video. Some people are really phenomenal in blogging. Some people are terrible at short form. Um, find what, what you can commit to doing and what you can commit to doing consistently. Consistently is the biggest thing. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're on all gazillion platforms, but you're only posting things every six months. Uh, what can you commit to doing every week? What's one thing you can commit to doing every single week, every single Monday or every single Wednesday? Start there and work up and, and find what's fun for you. If you don't enjoy it, then you're not going to be putting out content that is sticky and that resonates with people. Um, and then they're not going to enjoy it. They're not going to pass it along and, and your platform's not going to grow. Mm. Definitely very valuable and helpful insights. So now let's say we have taken a look at everything. A person has a great idea, person has done research, it speaks to the market, people have a platform, and now they connect with a literary agent. And let's say the literary agent takes them on. So share a little bit about the proposal and the journey of a New York Times bestseller, because I know that before we even, when we had put out the description of our today's, show you know we got several questions asking that oh you know could you please ask Whitney about the journey of a bestseller to New York absolutely so once I take on a client we start by working on a book proposal and a book proposal is about a 20 to 30 to 40 page document that walks through the book it has a number of elements from an overview to a chapter summaries uh, a sample material it talks about um uh marketing and publicity strategy. We can include speaking dates. We include videos. Um, it's a really well-rounded document that shows a publisher uh, not only what this content is, but why it is going to sell well. Um, once I have that book proposal is when I start shopping it. It means that I am calling editors I have relationships with. I'm sending them the proposal. I'm trying to convince them that this is a book that they um, need to acquire. Um, having a lot of conversations with them. They take that proposal, if they're interested, to their ed board first. That's an editorial board where other editors review that material. Um, if it passes that board and they're interested, it will then go to pub board. And, and pub board includes sales and marketing teams. And um, sales and marketing teams then also assess that, that uh, proposal and decide if they want to make an offer. Um, once I get offers in, we review those with um, the author and then we start the negotiation period. Um, once we decide on the publisher we're working with and we sign that contract with a publisher, um, usually an author has between three and six months to write that entire manuscript. And once that manuscript's turned in, the book typically releases a year from then. 
So that entire process can be two years, sometimes longer, um, until that book's on shelves. About six, or when the when the manuscript's turned in, which is about a month from publication, is when we start talking about our uh, our uh, release plans and our launch plans. And th that varies based on what an author brings to the table. So typically, we're looking at what assets do they bring? Um, is it a speaking calendar? Is it a big email list? Is it um, a lot of celebrity relationships? Is it that they have great media contacts? Um, we really take all those things into account and figure out how can we make those all work together for a successful launch. Um, New York Times is obviously a list that lots and lots of people want to hit that they're very excited about and it's the goal, it's the Oscar or the Grammy of the publishing world, right? Um, and the reality is hitting that New York Times is almost impossible. Um, it is something that is pretty well calculated. I can usually tell even of my books if we have a shot to hit it or not. Um, but it is not based on sales. And I want people to really hear that. Um, the New York Times list is uh, something that happens um, somewhat in secret. It is politically charged and it is not a straight reflection of what books sold the most that week. Um, it is a combination of sales, of geography, of the different channels in which a book is sold, um, how much publicity the book's gotten, the track record of that author. Um, it includes things like who the endorsers are on the book. It includes things like um, how many books were pre-ordered. Um, all of these things become factors in how they uh, decide what books to put on that list. And the reason is they're trying to not show that the list is swayed. They're trying to actually show books that are resonating um, with the broader consumer base. So if somebody, for instance, sells all, they might have the right amount of books to hit the list that week but they're all sold on one channel or all sold in one geographical region, then that gets thrown out from the list. So it used to be there were a lot of sub lists. There were some niche lists that were released either weekly or monthly, and most of those are, have been removed as well. Um, it used to also consist of 20 books on each of those lists, and now it's down to 10. The extended list is gone. And so unless you are an author that has national media attached to your release, um, and you have about 10,000 books pre-ordered, um, then those are minimum things that have to happen for you to hit the New York Times. Um, and even then, you're looking at a very, very significant uphill battle. So if you're not somebody who's already known, if you do not have a platform, um, then that really is out of the question. And I like to tell people, let's focus on lists that are more attainable and more transparent. So things like the Amazon list, things like USA Today or the Wall Street Journal, those are lists that we have a little bit more control of. We know what the metrics are. We know what we need to sell. Um, the New York Times is not a list that is transparent um, or, again, that follows sales. And so there, are, there have been many times where I've had an author that when we look at the numbers should have hit the list based on sales. But for whatever reason that's been decided um, behind the curtain, they have not included it. So try not to use that as a uh, measure of what success is for you as an author. So then brings that brings us to our next question, since you mentioned about USA Today and Wall Street Journal, what goes into that? Yeah, so those lists are primarily more on sales. So it is mm -hmm. how many books have been moved through reporting retailers. Um, those are lists that are a little bit more niche, but they're a little bit easier to attain. Um, and uh, a lot of these lists are all based on industry and based on um, reverence. So uh, I see somebody's asking, are certain lists higher than others? It really is just based on the industry that you're in um, and what your perception of these lists are. 
Um, as far as from an industry standard, I look at straight sales. So um, BookScan uh, is the tool that the industry uses to measure sales. Reported retailers report to BookScan. Um, and so as a literary agent, that's where I look. I look at that list as what's actually moving. I want to know who's actually reporting the most sales that week. Um, and that's the metric that I'm looking at what's successful. Mm, definitely. It uh, makes sense. And you mentioned about the author having endorsements, book having endorsements. Mm -hmm. So that leads us towards, you know, author themselves having credibility. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about author having a platform and building that credibility, what might be the markers to identify that, you know, an author has achieved some sort of an accomplishment in that authority zone area or credibility area? Yeah, I think it's it's associations. So it is um, speaking at places that are notable. It is um, interacting with people in the space that are well known and have a great reputation. Um, things like endorsements don't only help, uh, they help when it comes to putting context around what your book's going to be. If somebody doesn't know you as an author, but they see names on your book that they recognize, then immediately in your in their mind, it's going to put you in a category of somebody that's worth listening to. Um, they also Those names also help Amazon algorithms. So if you have a name that people aren't searching, but you have names attached to your book that people are searching, that can help the discoverability of your title. Um, and it can potentially help that other person who's endorsing your book give them reason to promote on their channels. So if you have somebody who's written an endorsement or a forward for your book, um, who's then talking about your book on their platforms, that can help get more eyeballs on your material. Yeah, definitely. Great point. And then one of the next questions that is, is that are there any awards in writing? Sure. There's a lot of smaller awards. Um, there's a lot of awards in different genres. I think it really just depends on um, what kind of writer you are. If you're a fiction writer or a nonfiction writer, um, there are all sorts of awards uh, that different um, groups will give out. Uh, I feel like the fiction space probably does a better job at uh, awarding their authors than the nonfiction space does, but um, there are definitely many associations that put out awards um, throughout the year uh, for, for different kinds of work. And those awards do matter because I know one of the authors, his book was recognized by a sales association as the top sales book. And after that, he saw a rapid increase in his book sales. And he was right at the point where he had sold 40,000 books. So that said, you know, if somebody wanted to find out about those associations, how could they go about it? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know of a list where those would all be compiled. I think it's really what is the genre of your material and looking specific to that. Um, there are sometimes awards that I have never heard of, but it's because it's out of a genre where it's a certain kind of uh, content that I might not be as familiar with. And then we do see a great return on some of those awards because that audience, it, it really matters to them. So for instance, as a great example, Divya, on sales, like I might not be reading a ton of sales books, but for somebody who's laser focusing on that genre, there might be an award in, in that vertical that matters a lot to them. It's a stamp of approval that matters to them. So I think really know your niche. It goes back to know your audience. If you're writing a book for executives, what, what are executives looking for as a stamp of approval? If you're writing a book for um, you know, teachers, what do teachers want to see from somebody that they trust? 
Um, really knowing that demographic that you're writing to is so important and being able to laser pinpoint it. Whenever I hear an author say my book's for everyone, so well, a book that's written for everyone is going to reach nobody. So name the person who you want to read your book, put a name to them, give an age to them, give a profession to them, really profile that person, create an avatar and, and know what they're looking for. It helps you write a better book because you're going to use metaphor, you're going to use story, you're going to use illustrations that are going to matter and resonate with them. But then it also helps when you're trying to sell the book because you know, gosh, maybe this is a place I should go speak or this is a person I should have endorse it because it's going to resonate with that avatar that I want to be my reader. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head by sharing that you know your audience, know your niche. And there may be people who may not know the industry giants in your niche, but people who are the readers, people who the book is for will definitely know. And as you mentioned, you know, that sales book, is a great example because in that area, like, you know, that sales association is very well known. Mm -hmm. And if it's very well known, people know, oh yeah, if that association recognized it, then it has to be a good book. So you brought like something very solid is about the power of association, the power mm -hmm. of proximity. And yet what happens is that as the influencers or the big endorsers, there's a gap. So do you have any pointers where, let's say it's a first time author or somebody who's not that well known, how could they connect with the influencers? I think we live in a digital age. Nobody is too hard to get to. I can't tell you the amount of times I've sent a DM on Instagram and they've responded. So I would say just don't be scared to reach out. I think use social media. Um, a lot of times big influencers, they're on their Facebook, they're on their Instagram, they're on their Twitter. Uh, you can reach anyone these days. and so don't go straight in with read my book or endorse my book, but start a, con <laughs> start a conversation, build a relationship. Um, it's the same way that we used to, you know, network at conferences, network on the internet. Um, if somebody that you're interested in or niche you're interested in, they're throwing a webinar or a Zoom call or uh, doing an e-course, sign up for those things. Um, it's easier than ever to reach people. And so there's no excuse to say I'm too removed or too far away. Uh, it just means you've got to be creative. Everybody is available. Um, just through their phone at the touch of fingertips. So be thoughtful, be creative, make yourself stand out, find a way to connect with somebody. Um, it, it really is about just putting yourself out there and not being as scared to hear no or not being scared to not hear a response, not putting your eggs in one basket. Um, I always say first time authors, use that first book as a calling card, give it out to everybody. Don't expect to make a dollar on it if you have no platform, but use it as a calling card, use it as a way to get your words in front of people. If you believe enough in your book that if people read it, they're gonna talk about it, um, then give it to everybody you possibly can. Uh, a good book that impacts somebody in a meaningful way, they're gonna talk about it, they're gonna give to friends, they're gonna order a caseload to give to Christmas or uh, give to their employees. And so don't be scared to seize the marketplace. Beautiful, beautiful advice. I really love it. And initially, like, you know, when I was, I said it on purpose that there is a distance between influencers and the writer and you busted that myth. And I really appreciate that because you're absolutely right that, you know, build that meaningful relationship. And a couple of things that could be done is that if they have a blog and even if you have a small audience, just kind of share it and like their Twitter blogs or in a similar way, this is uh, I got in, and you also mentioned, you know, buy their e-courses. So, for example, Brian Tracy, you know, amazing. He's been one of my heroes. And I used to buy his books and uh, 
courses and just uh, as I continued doing it, I fell into his proximity. And as part of one of the groups, you know, I took that time and energy welcoming new members and just being active. So that way you are, even though you are in the periphery, you stay front and center of the endorsers or the big giants. Yeah. And then so we're I all- took the plunge and asked yeah. him for an endorsement and I did get one. So totally amazing. Amazing. That's a great story. And, and I think it's a great reminder that we're all in this together. Even the most influential authors, they're still trying to sell books. They're still trying to get in front of people. And um, it's amazing how much it matters when you're helpful. Um, I've run launch groups for New York Times bestselling authors, and they'll do anything for those people in their launch group who are active and helpful and helping uh, get the word out and being responsive and posting content and um, offering to help with things. And so um, be the student to the teacher and uh, earn the right to get something in return. And um, we're all in that same boat. And so I think having a attitude and a spirit of collaboration and of support um, comes back around. So we have a question. Are you taking self-help books or all books? And you might want to share about your agency as well. Yes. So I'm the president of Content Capital. We're a holistic content company. And so um, we have an agency arm of Content Capital, which is uh, Capital Literary. We are taking submissions um, for anybody who is on this call. We'd love to look at the work that you have. Um, And we also have other ways that we serve authors. So whether it's through our podcast company, RPCO, that does podcast production, um, or if it's through um, audiobook production, or uh, we have a ghostwriter firm. So maybe you're somebody watching right now who goes, I love to write, but I, I have no interest in building a platform and um, know that maybe my book will only go to a few people, but I could help uh, people who have platforms and can't write um, put pen to paper. Um, we love helping match ghostwriters and authors. We love helping um, people who have different giftings um, find ways to use those giftings. And so um, if there's ways that we can help, uh, we would love to connect with you. It's contentcapital.com. Um, and there's ways to reach us there. Absolutely. Some great pointers. And for some of the authors who may have already published or they're thinking of writing. So from your perspective, you have seen it all. You've seen it from the highest success to, as you mentioned about, the book just being a platform to enhance or enrich their existing platforms. What would be your message to our authors? I would say that if you have a message that's burning in you, get it on paper. Um, I think that the pressure of what it might be, um, all the things that I've even shared today, um, there are exceptions to every single rule. So um, write, keep writing, put that pen to paper. Um, Anything is possible. And if you feel called to write, if you feel like there's a message in you that you're going to share regardless of if 100 people read it or a million people read it, then get it out. Um, Do the work and you never know what might happen. And um, remember that it's a craft. And so um, practice is the best thing you can do and get it in front of people to read. Uh, Keep sharpening your tool belt and um, don't stop. Oh, that's beautiful. Don't stop. Don't give up because, you know, that's what happens, right? No matter how many times you fall down, dust it off and get up. It's not the number of times you fall. It's the number of times you pick yourself up and continue on the journey. And as you mentioned, there are no 
set ways. There are so many multiple ways that even if you have published a book, you can still go mm -hmm. to traditional publishing and you have a valuable resource today, folks. So as you have seen, you know, Whitney's very approachable. She is very sweet and she took out the time to share her information with us. So thank you, Whitney. Really appreciate your time and sharing it so openly with us. Well, Divya, thank you so much for having me. It's just an honor to um, be in conversation with you and hopefully uh, together we can encourage some people and debunk some myths and what an exciting time we live in that there's so many ways to get your words out there and um, for more people uh, than ever to hear some of the stories that people um, listening today might have on their hearts. So I appreciate that you would share your platform with me. Oh, no, it was a joy to have you. And of course, listeners, you know, it's always such a joy. You're always so engaged and I love you for that. And any questions, reach out to me or reach out to Whitney. As she mentioned, you know, she's open and will be supportive and helpful to you. And also, last but not the least, I would love to say thanks to Rebel, without whom the show would not be possible. So folks, be out there. And there's one thing that I want to share. We are in a time where it's really critical for us, all of us to come together. And I'm going to just put out one idea. Think about it. We had approximately 150 million people who voted. If all of us, so that means all of the people are at least 18 or above. If all of us just donated one hour to helping others, how much good we could bring to our community and to the, our humanity. So always remember, you know, together we are stronger and let's be together and help each other out. So until next time, be brilliant and take care. Thank you for being part of Beyond Confidence with your host, Divya Park. We hope you have learned more about how to start living the life you want. Each week on Beyond Confidence, you hear stories of real people who have experienced growth by overcoming their fears and building meaningful relationships. During Beyond Confidence, Divya Park shares what happened to her when she stepped out of her comfort zone to work directly with people across the globe. She not only coaches people how to form heart connections, but also transform relationships to mutually beneficial partnerships as they strive to live the life they want. If you are ready to live the life you want and leverage your strengths, learn more at www.divyapark.com. And you can connect with Divya at contact at We look forward to you joining us next week, Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time.